Hi everybody, this is David Bromley and welcome to the WFR podcast. I am one of the elders and teachers here at White's Ferry Road and we are glad that you have joined us. I am guest hosting today and we are excited to have Dr. Christopher Ewan in the studio uh, sharing with us some insights on a very relevant and sensitive topic uh, that is going on in our culture today. Dr. Christopher Ewan has taught Bible at the Moody Bible Institute for over 10 years. And his speaking ministry on faith and sexuality has reached five continents. He speaks at conferences on college campuses and in churches. Christopher graduated from Moody Bible Institute in 2005, Wheaton College uh, in 2007 with his master's degree in biblical exegesis, and in 2014 from Bethel Seminary with a doctorate ministry. Christopher and his mother, Angela, uh, share their amazing story in a memoir entitled Out of a Far Country, A Gay Son's Journey to God, A Broken Mother's Search for Hope. Over 100,000 copies have been sold. And also his newest book, Holy Sexuality and the Gospel, Sex, Desire, and Relationships, Shaped by God's Grand Story, are uh, awesome resources. I've read them both. encourage you. You can get those on Amazon. for more information about Christopher, you can uh, book him and find out more about his story and their journey at ChristopherEwan.com. Christopher, welcome to White's Fair Road and welcome to the studio. Today. Thanks, Dave, for having me on. We, uh, you know, our culture in dealing with this area of same-sex attraction, homosexuality, transgendered, you don't watch a television show, you don't watch the news, you, there's not a political issue that this debate that this doesn't come up mm-hmm. uh share with us a little bit how did our culture get here um and and why why now why is it so prevalent why are we hearing so much about it in so many areas i think the reason why we see much of it if you go back in history a little bit and if you see how we moved first away from just seeing Christianity as true. Mm-hmm. Around the mid-1800s, we see where humanism and secularism kind of was growing and flourishing. The There was a rejection of the church. I mean, at that time, there was a lot of corruption in the mm-hmm. church, and uh, the people were turning away from it and... Governments who were strictly a, you know, governed by, you know, maybe it was more kings who were basically kind of either heads of the state and also heads of the church. There was a lot of this hierarchy that, and and the church was not healthy. So people rejected the church and oftentimes for good reason, but then they threw the baby out with the bathwater. So out goes the church, but also out goes God. So you have, for example, like the French Revolution occurring, and then they threw out, so it's a very secular society. And so now people were then coming to, well, if there is no God, atheists, you know, if if there is no God, then how do we find meaning and purpose? And you thought, at first they were trying to find it with knowledge, but then, then we have the romantic period that grew kind of out of that, where people like, well, you know, you, there's, Knowledge isn't going to really find contentment. So then they were trying to find connection with their emotions and their feelings. That's why we call it the romantic period. I mean, actually, great music comes out. I've, I've studied classical music, and I love that period of, of time where the music is, is really passionate. It's beautiful. Uh, but also during that romantic period came just the, this, the philosophy of that if there's no God... 
uh, we find purpose th- through our own desires and our own wants and our own feelings. And uh, so you see that a few hundred years later that we're reaping from that because it's just it grew from there. That is why today our feelings are everything. Our desires are what is of must, of most utmost importance. So I kind of see that we're now really bearing the, the rotten fruit of that. I mean, of course, from that now we're living in a postmodern time where now we're just doing away with all of the paradigms and all binary systems. So, and, and even those, the rejection of those, it, it still comes down to who are we? And we're basing who we are identity based upon what we feel and what we do. So that's, that's kind of where the, our culture is now. Um, and, and I don't see so much that, uh, you know, people ask, are, are there more? Why is it that we see so much more of people who identify as gay? I, I, I don't know if I, I, I think that it's more that people, um, yeah, you know, some people might say, are more people becoming gay? I don't think it's so much that, but I think that in the past, maybe people were hiding it. Mm-hmm. And now, because it's so accepted, people are able to embrace it. And, um, so obviously that's not a good thing that we, that we embrace your sexuality because, you know, as, as a follower of Christ, we don't want to embrace our sexuality. We don't even want to embrace ourselves. We don't, we want to embrace Christ. Right. So, uh, you know, the, the, some good that can come out of it though is that we're talking about it more. And that means then in the church, when we have people who are in the church that are wrestling with sexual brokenness, there's, because we're talking about it more, then we can help and walk alongside because I can't help a sister in the Lord, a brother in the Lord, if they're wrestling with their sexuality, if I don't know that. How am I able to walk with anyone if they're keeping it inside? So I think although the world is celebrating it and everyone is embracing it and, and more and more people are being open about it, I think there's a good sense in which we too should be open about whatever is our own sin struggle. But the difference is that we're surrendering that struggle to Christ. So be open. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't use the word come out of the closet because I think that's buying from the world terminology and it's buying from that framework. But be open about our own sin. Don't struggle alone. And so, I, I yeah, I, it's, it is definitely becoming more prevalent, but it's it's buying in from all the the kind of the, the, the philosophies and the frameworks and the worldviews that have come out of this there is no God mentality. So this is where we are in history. This is, as you, I love the term you said, bearing the bad fruit yes. uh, of of bad thinking, yes. of a shift in uh, a, a godly worldview or godly perspective, or taking God's view of ourselves and our identity. Right. And here we are, ripple effect, mm-hmm. uh, century, century and a half, two two centuries later, yep. uh, with that. But I love I love your point, Christopher, in that. While we hear a lot in church and religious circles of this is the worst culture in history, this is where we're going uh, down the tubes. Well, it's not. I mean, mm-hmm. there have been cultures that have been, you know, <laughs> go back to the time where Christianity was born out of, right. out of the Greco-Roman Empire. 
and it was it was really really bad right. and uh but i love the the spin or the frame that you put that you know, people are talking about it those issues have been there and trying to figure things out have been there they just didn't talk about it mm-hmm. now they're talking about it but now we can talk about it. Yes. Now the church can respond and speak life and truth. Amen. Uh, with that. And that is, I think, uh, the, 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 well, it's not, I don't think, I know it's the crux of what you do, you and your, your parents do in your ministry mm-hmm. and, and what you teach. And I, I think it's a, a powerful thing with that. You, uh, you go all over the, the, the country speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, where, uh, where have you been overseas and shared? We go a lot into Asia, Mm -hmm. being Chinese, so we go to uh, some of the Chinese-speaking countries, Hong Mm -hmm. Kong, Taiwan. We do go into China, but a lot of that is more we're partnering with some of the local churches and local pastors in the area. Um, But I've also been to to Africa and I've been to Central America, Mm -hmm. been to uh, Europe a little bit and and Australia, New Zealand. So we we have, I've been around. Yes. In in your travel and your experience cross-culturally like Mm -hmm. that, how, what have you seen different from Central America to Asia to where, to, to Africa, where, where are they in those cultures? I mean, here in the United States, it's, everything's pretty open and out there. Yeah. Uh, what about other places and how is the message that you have shared been received? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, you know, not talking about something um, or not embracing something, you know, obviously that is sinful is right. is is a good thing, you know, but not talking about it also leaves the people who are struggling with this then kind of alone. Right. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of a give and take. So in, in these countries, in the non-West countries that are not Europe or not North America, there's there's still a big stigma around sexuality. Mm-hmm. And so people, they're not talking about it, uh, but it's still that undercurrent that is still going going on. You know, I think you know, some people, uh, you know, we'll call it the down low, right? right. It's, it's there, but no one's talking about it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, we see that when we go into... Um, you know, c- countries in Africa or in Asia or, uh, you know, Latin countries where when we do go, people are just so, the, the congregations are so happy that we're talking about it because they say, right. we know what's there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we're able to get, uh, a biblical, biblical response on this. So we see that culture plays a big role on, on how we're, we're dealing with it. You know, I think, Sometimes people say, you know, in Asia we're be behind, you know, the the West, and I'm like, oh, don't think about it, I was behind, you know, because you don't want to be like us in in the West because we're we're not getting it right when right. it comes to sexuality, mm-hmm. but um, so but but it's it's just good to see that people are recognizing that that we just can't as a church, mm-hmm. not not address these very important issues of of sexuality. So the church's response to the issues of sexuality. Um, I would uh, I would imagine, or uh, you can speak to this uh, when you when you cross cultures. And yeah. You just mentioned an African culture, an Asian culture, Latin American culture, and then a North American culture. The church's response goes across cultures, and so what is the church's response cross culturally wherever you're at to this issue of sexuality? Well, I mean, I, I think the proper response is. We're just recognizing first that uh, 
how it's a level playing field. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's number one. That scripture teaches us that no one seeks after God. We're we're all oh, we all are due, and we uh, you know we're supposed to you know we deserve the wrath of God, right. and and yet. God responds by sending his son Christ. And so that recognizing that is is always a good place to start that that sin separates us from God right. whether it is murder or hate mm-hmm. whether it is adultery committing adultery the actual act or lust. Mm-hmm. So um we should not view ourselves as worse or better than others. But before Christ, all our sins are covered by Christ. So that, right. that, that's helpful to not, to in a sense destigmatize this particular sin, that it's, uh, not a sin that can't be covered by the blood of Jesus. Right. I think that's always an important place as a church for us to start. But also recognizing that, that we need to not see changing a person who has same sex attractions into what some might call a heterosexual person, that that can't be the ultimate goal because even if a person is living or in a heterosexual relationship, he could be unholy. Right. And so yes. it's it's living a holy life that is aligned with our faith in Christ that is of utmost importance. And and so I think... We, we, you know, when we respond that this is not the worst sin and respond that, you know, the ultimate goal is holiness. You know, I call, I talk about that in my new book, Holy Sexuality, that is chastity and singleness, faithfulness and marriage. That is our ultimate goal for all of us, either chastity and singleness or faithfulness and marriage. I think help, that helps us not just not only frame the, the whole conversation around sexuality, but it also helps us to know what is the ultimate goal. Right. So I'm reminded of Romans 1, 16. Mm. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Amen. Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Amen. So no matter what that struggle is, and no matter how the whatever circle, church circle or cultural circle, awfulizes a particular sin, right. all sin is awful. Amen. And everyone needs redemption, and everyone needs Jesus, and it's only through him that we're saved from that wrath. Amen. Awesome, awesome. And that goes, that story crosses millennium, that crosses cultures, and will continue to do so until the Lord comes back. Amen. And we pray for that Amen. more and more every day. So in your travels um, throughout the uh, throughout the country, throughout the world, we were just talking uh, today and last night about... Uh, how how much you have been in demand lately? Mm. Uh, what are some of the questions that you you mm. get from people? What are most some of those questions? I think one common question is people ask, uh, "Do you still have same sex attraction?" That's mm-hmm. kind of like the um, one of the either it is asked or it is unspoken. People right. are, are wondering, "Are you do you still have?" Or sometimes if it's a younger crowd uh if it's a young person ask they'll ask it as so are you still gay you know that's the question right. so, so what is it are you still gay or what are you straight and and um and, and that's usually because the younger generation i think they have a harder time of breaking that paradigm of gay is who you are straight is who you are and you know as i as i 
as I try to help people to think through that sexuality is not who you are, but it is how you are. Right. Gay, straight, define our attractions, our desires, or our behaviors, but they should not define who we are, define our person. So I think, uh, you know, people ask, you know, are you gay? They, 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 they conflate the fact that a person might have these attractions with who they are. But I, when, before I an, answer that question, I always help people to think through the terms that they use because attraction, it, it's not a very clearly defined word. Does attraction mean temptation or does it mean a desire? What exactly do you mean? So I actually prefer to use the two, two synonymous terms that we find in the Bible, either temptation or desire. Um, so desire is sinful if it's ordered in the wrong way. Temptation is not sin, but it can quickly lead to sin. And as a Christian, we're called to not have sinful desires, but a temptation in and of itself is not sin. So it's not abnormal for people, even a Christian, to still be tempted. But what's sinful is when we give in to that temptation. So I think that helps people to realize you know, before I answer that question, it's it's let, let's think it through what it means for a Christian, uh, whether they're tempted or a Christian, whether they're having desires. So, that, you know, I might still be tempted, but that's not who I am, and it's and it's much easier, you know, than it's been twenty years ago when I first came to Christ, or nineteen years ago when I first came to Christ. Mm-hmm. It was, um, you know, just just the surrendering myself to Christ and. Uh, that that every believer that's the regular life of a of a regular believer is just daily resisting the temptations right. and not giving into sin. Right. Mm-hmm. The the identity our identity being as a child of God mm-hmm. driving our desires and our emotions yeah. as opposed to the other way around. Right. Which is what our culture says. Uh, your identity is as you is is who you are or what you or what you do right and not who you are right and and such what about what about maybe stepping into your parents shoes for a mm. moment what mm-hmm. kind of questions do you get from families and parents yeah i think probably i mean one of the main questions is when people ask if i'm invited to a gay wedding if my daughter or son He's getting married to, you know, someone of the same sex. Should I go or can I go or how, you know, what, what should be the answer to that? And, um, I think it's, it's recognizing that it's a very, I think it's one of the most difficult questions a parent will have to, a parent will ever have to face. Um, I, I tell parents, your, your child needs to know, you know, do they know you love them? And, you know, do they know what you believe and do they know that you still love them? Two can be an intention. If mm-hmm. you do not go to the wedding, it's clear what you believe, but it could be misunderstood what, that you love them. If you do, uh, if you do go to the wedding, then it's clear you love them, but it be, could, but it could be misunderstood what you believe. Mm-hmm. And those can be intention. And so I, I, I tell people that, I think we need to think it through that it's more than just a simple, I'm not going to go at all, or I'm, I am going to go. Because I think we can balance the grace and the truth and maybe 
not go to the ceremony, but maybe go to the reception. I mean, so I think that's that's that could be an option that I know parents have done. You know, you don't go to the ceremony. That's 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 communicating that this is not God's will, and I'm, I want I don't want to participate in this. However, I'm present for the weekend or even for the ceremony because you're my family. Right. It's a tr- it's a tricky it's it's a com- it's complex. It is. It's tricky. Mm-hmm. It's complex because you're dealing with uh, a whole lot of variables to try to uh, and try to manage and navigate. Uh, and thank goodness for for people with wisdom who can speak into that. So you're uh, you have two books mm-hmm. and your ministry is growing. Your speaking ministry is growing. Uh, what uh, what has been the feedback that you've gotten from your books? And from your ministry as you've traveled, you know, I, I think <clears throat> any time in ministry or putting out any any Christian literature, you, you're going to get pushback from both sides. I, you know, I think maybe if you're not getting you know, if you're not getting pushback, you probably maybe you're you're tickling the ears a little bit too much. Yeah, you didn't go far enough. <laughs> <laughs> right? So I, I get pushback. Um, I, I'm expecting the pushback from. From the gay community, I'm getting pushback from those who would be, uh, you know, gay activists who might claim that they're gay and Christian, but really just gay activists. And I think, you know, so that's not the surprise, but sometimes the surprise are when I'm being attacked from Christians, where, (laughs) where they, where they say, you know, because I'm not married, um, I don't know, I'm sinning because I'm not married yet. Um, or they think that I don't believe in change because they think that heterosexuality is the standard for change. Right. So I mean, I, I still get pushback. However, overall, it's it's been quite positive. People have been encouraged my, by my book and um, or my newest book, and um, yeah, because I I, I wrote it. Ex- I didn't want to reproduce anything that's been that's already been written and so i wanted to do what i saw lacking and i think one of the things that we're lacking was we have books focusing on how to love so much more practical but we also focus upon books that focus on looking at what do these different passages say what does this verse say so it is uh, a good amount of either the kind of biblical theology and there's some practical theology but there's nothing in the middle talking about good systematic theology right. um, what does the word of god as a whole say about this topic so that was my goal for my my newest book and um yeah i have just gotten good response people say that this is this is new and and they they hadn't you know read things like this before or, uh-huh. so I, I i wanted to just finally articulate a good theology of sexuality well i think you've succeeded very well in that i love uh, of course, we just spent the day uh, here at White's Fair Road with mm-hmm. a, a seminar with you and your mother and father, and mm-hmm. and and just visiting how how you you bring things back to the Word of God, mm-hmm. uh, the truth that is there, and and even to define things with biblical terms. Mm-hmm. So the you, there's clarity that is there, yeah. and I appreciate that, mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Christopher Ewan. Um, Authors, uh, author of two books, Out of a Far Country. It's a memoir with his mother. Uh, and his latest, Holy Sexuality and the Gospel, Sex, Desire, Relationship, Shaped by Grand, God's Grand Story. Uh, for more information uh, on Christopher and his ministry and what he does, you can go to ChristopherEwan.com. 
Uh, follow them on, on all the social media outlets. We will have those on the session notes, uh, those links that are there and uh, pictures of his books. We encourage you to, to read them, uh, buy them, and uh, and just follow Christopher and, and, and his great work he's doing. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me on.